In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. My grandfather grew up in the small town of Sasakwa, Oklahoma. Rather, he grew up near it. He and his siblings and parents lived in a large log and concrete cabin deep in the woods. My grandfather's father had built this in the 1950s. As my grandfather has told me many times, this area is full of hauntings and cryptids. It's almost absurd just how many areas are known to be haunted to this day. I will focus on one particular tale he has told me, as I feel it is the most cryptid-ish. When my grandfather was a teenager, he worked with a group of Seminole on a local construction site. One day, 
They went out walking to a site and came to a house. On the front porch sat an elderly Seminole woman rocking back and forth in a rocking chair. My grandfather met her eyes and felt compelled to look away, having fallen behind the rest of the group. He realized that they were all staring at the ground, avoiding the gaze of this woman. The chatter had fallen silent and remained so for nearly half an hour. When they arrived at the site, he went up to the site manager and asked why they had all ignored the elderly woman. The site manager's face scrunched up and he stood. He locked the door, then spoke quietly. He explained to my grandfather that the woman was known to be a stakini. Now, my grandfather himself made sure that the doors to the house were locked when he explained the stakini to me. They are witches of the Seminole tribe. When the moon is full, they go out into the woods and vomit their organs up, stringing them in the trees to keep them clean. They no longer seem human, but appear as four-feet-tall owls creatures, with no weight to their body. They then go out and attack as they please, so long as the full moon dominates the sky. The Stakini cannot be killed in this form. You must instead destroy their organs. My grandfather never again saw the woman, making an effort to avoid the route that passed by her house. Whether she was truly a Stakini or not is unclear, as she has presumably died since the incident. After I was told this story, I made sure to lock the doors. Even now that I'm in a different state, I make effort to not speak that word in public and to always keep doors and windows locked at night. If anyone has heard other stories of these Stakini, or have seen them, I would be interested in hearing it. The desolate highway stretched out before me, my truck roaring through the night like a solitary beast. Its rhythmic hum accompanied my monotonous journey, unaware of the terrifying turn it was about to take. Around a bend, my headlights pierced the darkness, revealing a fleeting figure darting across the asphalt. Startled and intrigued, curiosity overcame me. I pulled over, the crunch of gravel beneath my tires as I cautiously stepped out, scanning the surroundings for any sign of the elusive creature. But it had vanished without a trace, as if swallowed by the night, dismissing it as a figment of my fatigued mind. I resumed my journey, Yet an uneasy feeling lingered. Eerie noises whispered through the stillness, raising goosebumps on my arms. Elusive shadows danced at the edges of my vision, teasing me with their fleeting presence. The once familiar highway now exuded an otherworldly aura, casting a foreboding spell upon the landscape. Driven by fear and fascination, I delved into local legends and folklore, unearthing tales of the Nightcrawler, a creature rumored to haunt these very roads. Possessing supernatural abilities and an insatiable hunger for souls, it had preyed upon unsuspecting travelers for centuries, leaving few survivors in its wake. Haunted by the thought of becoming the Nightcrawler's next victim, I resolved to confront my fears head-on. Armed with my trucker skills and a newfound belief in the supernatural, I embarked on a mission to unravel the enigma surrounding the creature. Along my journey, I encountered others who had also felt the Nightcrawler's presence. Together, we formed an unlikely alliance, pooling our knowledge and strength to outsmart the Predator. 
Our quest led us through treacherous encounters, testing our resilience, ingenuity, and courage. With each step, we unraveled ancient rituals, uncovered hidden truths, and delved into the darkest depths of the human psyche. In a climactic showdown, we confronted the Nightcrawler, adrenaline surging through our veins. Drawing upon our collective skills and newfound understanding, we battled the creature's supernatural prowess, pushing ourselves to the limits. Victory was hard, won, but we emerged triumphant, bringing closure not only to our own nightmares, but also to the countless victims claimed by the Nightcrawler's insatiable hunger. I was driving alone in a national park, very far from people, on a bright full moon night. Huge clear moon, the kind of moonlight you can read by. The road went straight along the bottom of a wide, flat, mostly barren valley, then banked up and sharply left onto the ridge. It was about 10 p.m., and I drove through the valley on full alert, watching for animals and loving the scenery in the crazy bright moonlight. When I hit the curve and went into that sharp uphill left, I saw something through my side window. White thing. It was rapidly getting larger in my peripheral vision, as though it had been moving parallel to me. But the turn in the road meant I was now in its path. So I turned my head and looked directly. It was white. Man. Shaped but without genitals. And naked. A deathly nauseating white with a greasy shine, completely hairless. It was crawling on its hands and knees, but it was half the size of the car, and it was coming so very, very fast. It had a rubbery face, distorted by hate or a scream, black eyes that reflected the moonlight. The look on its face, I can't even tell you. I can still make myself feel sick from the memory. I believed that it was intelligent and that it wanted to tear me apart with its teeth. The speed was horrifying. It went from being a small white spot to spitting distance in the time it took to make that turn. When I unfroze myself and hit the gas, it was on the road, and I braced for it to run into my car door, and then it was gone. The rearview mirror showed me nothing. I have never told anybody. I have seen a few minor, glitchy, ghosty things over my many years, but nothing has ever frightened me like that. It was looking at me, and I don't know what it was. I can't seem to find any reference to anything like it, and I would like to know if this thing is known to folklore. If another subreddit would be better to ask, just say, thanks. Edit. Thank you all for the replies so far. I looked into the Skinwalker and Wendigo ideas, and it's a case of almost, but not quite. Are Skinwalkers ever seen without skins? Then maybe... Can Wendigos be stocky instead of skinny? Then maybe. I am most intrigued by the Massachusetts story. Also, while I describe it as screaming, that's just the look on its face. I heard nothing. This happened in Newfoundland. Newfoundlanders have no trouble telling ghost stories, and a lot of them believe in fairies. But I've not heard of a creature like this. As for the bear idea, Newfoundland has only black bears. Hell... I even tried to tell myself it was a badly lost, wet polar bear. But when I say the thing was crawling, I mean I could see its legs below the knee. I was very close to it by the end, and it looked like a crawling man. I spent a lot of time in that area, and encouraged storytelling in the bar, but nothing like this. 
ever got mentioned. But as I said, I never told this story either. The degree of fear involved somehow put it in its own category, as if it would be very, very bad luck to speak of it, because it had seen me too. I never thought I believed in them, but I think it was a demon. When I was 11 years old, I went camping with my dad and my stepmom in a small town in West Virginia called Barnum. The park we went camping in was called the Barnum Whitewater area. Anyways, there wasn't a place to shower, and the bathrooms were just a hole in the ground, and there aren't words to describe how vile they were. Our cabin was nice and cozy and was maybe 20 feet away from the river. One night, we decided to leave the campground to grab some food because we had almost no food. So we went to get some food. It was really good, though. But anyways, we went back to the campground around 9.30.10 and decided to drive around. Well, about one-fourth of the way around, there is Essa girl, randomly standing on the side of the road with what looked like a torch. We pulled up to ask her if she was okay, and she froze. We thought she was drunk and drove off. As we came back around, about seven or eight done boogies come around the corner, and you're not allowed to have those in that campground. We wear like whatever and went to the cabin. We saw that the screen to the window was pried open like someone tried to break into our cabin. We were debating on leaving and going back to where we live, New Jersey. When a guy comes up to us with that same girl we saw in the woods, he asked if we knew her because she was scaring him and his two kids. He said she tried to tear open the tent. We said no, and he walked off, and the girl followed. We decided to get the hell out of there, and while we were packing inside, she comes up the driveway and sits down on the porch and we tell her to get the hell off of the porch, and she starts crying and runs away. The final time we saw her, she came up the driveway and started calling my stepmom, her mom and my dad, her dad, and we had not a damn clue who the hell this girl was. I can't really remember much about her, but I know she was blonde, and she was pretty tall, and finally, we left. Now, we called the police, but they said they couldn't help us for two reasons. One, we had already left. And two, the cops are not active after midnight. What if someone's being attacked or threatened with a gun and is about to die or something? We were in shock. So, we went back and drove the freaking four hours back to New Jersey, where we live, and we didn't get home until like 4 a.m., My mom lives in rural Virginia next to the Washington Jefferson National Forest. There are a lot of really beautiful places there. The Appalachian Trail is in that area. I would often leave the trails and hike and climb down into ravines. Many times I found waterfalls and swimming holes that looked untouched by humans. One time I was following a beautiful stream with steep, rocky terrain on both sides. Super isolated and miles from where I started. As I came to an open area where the water was calmer, I noticed a terrible smell. I don't know how to describe the water. It was where the stream had widened and was kind of like a lagoon. In the middle of the water was a large stone. On that stone was what I can only describe as a pile of guts. When I say a pile, I mean something roughly the size of a large buck, or maybe a large bear, but just heaped into a big pile on the stone. 
I could not discern the type of animal it was, but it was big and was arranged in a very spooky way. I looked around the area and could see a few caves and deep crevices and just got really scared. I know hunting is popular in that area, but this was a national park. There was no fur on the animal, just looked like it was turned inside out and arranged on top of this stone, plus the location of the stone, directly in middle of the water. Needless to say, I backed out of there, and instead of walking back the way I came, I climbed up the rocks and out of the ravine. No idea what the hell that was all about. I had to take a jaunt in the woods to check out a foreclosed home. I was working for a psychologist at the time, who was deciding to look at real estate, and she and her husband were hoping to find a fixer-upper. There happened to be an abandoned, foreclosed estate about a mile from her office, tucked back in the woods with a long driveway. I was the office admin errand boy at the time, so I was assigned to take time and go see what I thought of the building. I also had a bit of an adventurous streak and thought it would be fun to comb through an old building and property, so long as it was safe. I drove my little sedan down the driveway to park in the front yard of this abandoned mansion. Pretty run down at that point. Most of the windows looked wither open or broken, and my first thought was that squatters had been here, or were here currently. I walked around the house to the side yard, and found the outside was decorated in old Halloween decor, about fifty plastic tombstones, lawn skeletons, etc. Interesting, I thought. Leftovers from Halloween before the place was abandoned. Teenagers having fun playing pranks. A scare tactic. Needless to say, it had my senses heightened. With the condition of the building, the possibility of squatters, and the weird Halloween decorations, I decided it wasn't worth it to enter. I walked back around the house to go to car. I get in the driver's side and text my boss. I'm on my way back, and that it really wasn't worth it. I start the car and get ready to leave, when suddenly, the creepiest looking woman with really worn shredded clothes is walking at a fast pace directly at my car, and I only saw her in the rearview mirror as I went to back up. My heart leapt into my throat. She kept going straight for the car, but as she approached, she was motioning to roll down my window. I didn't really feel comfortable with that, but at this point, she was directly in my path. If I were to reverse, I locked the doors to the car and cracked the window down just enough I could hear what she was yelling. What do you want? She kept repeating it over and over. I yelled back through my cracked window. The house is for sale, and I was just checking it out, sorry. She was clearly on drugs and looked manic, walking and talking with a twitchy demeanor. She finally gets right outside of my cracked window and tells me the house is occupied. She leaves the side of the car and walks up to the front porch of the house. Out of a backpack, she pulls a bag of cat food, like one of those 20 pounds plus bags, tears the top off, and shakes the pellets of cat food all over the front porch. No joke, dozens of cats start pouring out of the house from every window, from under the porch, from loose boards in the siding. It was like an anthill got stirred up, and all the ants came out to attack whatever disturbed it. The woman just stared me down as I backed down the drive, with still more cats coming out of the house. You would think this thing happens in remote rural areas of the world, 
But the strange thing was that this took place in a decent middle-class suburb in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The house was only separated by about two, three acres of woods from a main highway. I work with dogs, and we have had our strange encounters on the daily walks at the dog daycare before. Basically, what happened that we usually walk past a trail, mainly used by city hikers in the area. It is around five kilometers long, the part of it that we walk. Call it the Blue Trail, as it is marked with blue signs, usually during hot days. We walk there with the majority of dogs that can walk long. Walks together. We follow a lead into the woods, where there are a lot of shadows, so the dogs can get the right amount of exercise as well as shade from the blistering heat. The blue lead is the best one for us, as it is the one the regular dogs are used to. I remember walking second behind my boss. In the lead, behind me were some interns from schools, learning about animal care and such. In the beginning of the walk, we encounter a man with his two Yorkshire Terriers, he said. I basically, and let us pass with our massive dogs, and I remember he asked where we were from, walking with all those dogs. His little dogs were barking a ton, and I low-key wanted to move on so it wouldn't stress them out too much. Seemed to be a really sweet guy, though, honestly, around his early 40s. My boss explained we were from a dog daycare doing the big walk before lunch as we usually do. He waved us by, and we kept walking. The rest of the walk was great, though I did get blisters on my feet from bad shoes. Around the time we got back to the start and were ready to head back, we saw the same guy. He wasn't happy, and the dogs weren't there anymore. At first, I thought he had let them loose, but he was holding the leash, and his face was just distraught. He started pleaded for us to help him find them. He kept repeating he wouldn't be able to explain to his wife how he lost their dogs. It was a pretty big forest, and he was panicking, and we had over twenty really exhausted, thirsty dogs on our own. He walked with us to the road, right before the forest trail start and I cannot explain the panic on his face, as one of the cars stood still in front of what I can only describe as one shaking dog and one half of fluffy mangled mess. Turns out they had been let off the leash because of a mistake. He made thinking they would be able to run free in the woods and come back at his command. But at that point, they weren't far off the beginning, which was exactly met him. The first time, he had stayed behind to let us pass. The dogs had begun chasing each other around the road, and country roads aren't usually known for having slow cars passing with regular speed. Before a car could properly stop, one had frozen in place and gotten hit. The other had been the one getting chased as it had made it out. In case you are thinking of a sudden hit and stop, that is not what I mean. I mean that there was a clear trail of blood and fur on the road, smushed over. The other dog had ran to the sides as the other was hit. The owner of the car had walked out and was on the phone to try to get help because, uh, they had hit a dog that was playing, and clearly, the owner had to have been somewhere. B. There was another dog that was shaking and had been chased by the other one. I wish I could explain more, but I think you get the idea of the anguish everywhere. I took a day off after that. I am extremely squeamish to things like this and this wasn't that long ago. It is still so fresh in my memory. Not really a hike story, but it happened during... 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. During a walk through the woods, the guy made a mistake and now has to live with this. The interns were allowed to quit early that day at the dog daycare. We haven't walked that trail in a while. I really hope that everyone involved can heal after this, because I can never imagine how it would feel losing my dog like that. Lesson to be learned is that if you aren't certain, your dog can go without a leash. Please do not let them loose, especially not near a road. Losing your best friend is not worth it to not have to hold a leash for a few minutes. I was backpacking alone at Mount Rainier. During the night, I saw three circular flat-flying objects hovering like 100 feet in the sky, doing patterns. They would leave and come back, and it was all night, from dusk until dawn. At one point... One hovered over my tent. I had the rain fly off, so I watched them through the mesh, the entire night frozen with fear. As soon as the sun rose, I shoved all of my gear into my pack and ran all the way back to my car. I drove to the ranger station to ask if they were testing any weird equipment. He said there was a military base nearby. Those things did not look like any drones I've ever seen or anything that I can explain. The bummer is that I was alone in that entire wilderness area, and no one else got to see it. I was hiking and camping in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains with intent to summit some mountains the next few days. I make camp for the night, and am just enjoying the evening when I hear a bunch of motorized equipment, four-wheelers and dirt bikes below me, tearing up in the meadow. There are probably 20-25 people in this group, the route I came in didn't allow any motorized equipment, but oh well, what can you do anymore? So they start to make camp also, and are boisterous and loud. I am certain there is a lot of alcohol being consumed. Not the experience I was planning to have, but I am moving on in the morning. Around 11 p.m., I am trying to sleep in my tent, and the party is still raging. Then the gunshots start. The drunks are just shooting wildly in all directions, out of their camp to being the party to a whole other level. I'm about 400 feet away, 
and they are shooting in my direction. There is a large boulder near my campsite, so I exit my tent and set my sleeping bag up on the other side of the boulder to avoid being struck by any stray bullets that might travel that far. I pack up and leave in the morning and encounter one of the group awake, smoking a cigarette. He asked where I came from, and I indicated by pointing and said where you were shooting at last night. His reply was, oh, and I just walked away. I went back to that area about a month later, and all of their trash was left behind. Out of status, coming to Colorado and trashing it to have a good time on vacation is one of the reasons I left the state to live somewhere less popular for tourism and more wild. That will change someday, too. A couple years ago, when I was still in high school, my friend and I were walking along a long and lonesome road in southern Pennsylvania. We were bored as hell and looking for bottles alongside the road to smash against rocks and trees, just talking about nothing as we went along. Very few cars travel that road, and for a long time, we didn't see any, so we just walked in the road now and then. I don't remember when I noticed, but the entire world turned red. It was as if a red curtain was pulled in front of the sun and washed everything in a light crimson tinge. It started us bad, and I'm glad he was there to confirm it because I thought I was going crazy or having a stroke or something. When nothing happened for a while, we just kept walking, but I felt extremely on edge, like something was very wrong. Eventually, the red light faded after what felt like forever, but was probably 10 or 15 minutes. I have never seen or heard of anything like it before or since. My mom brother and I were driving over an highway overpass one night, a few years back, and this big black hairless creature jumped over the side of the overpass, ran on all fours in front of our car and a few others, jumped over the dividing median, but grabbed it with its front feet, ran in front of the other cars on the other side of the highway, then jumped down the other side of the overpass. This thing had really long, skinny front legs and very short back legs, was skinny, and when our headlights shone on it, it turned its head to look at the traffic coming towards it. Its face was creepily long, like a horse, almost, or a big deer. It was just weird and didn't look like anything my mom or I had ever seen before. This was like ten years ago, and I've been trying to come up with every idea of what it could have been. A manged black bear, some stange-manged wolf or black-manged coyote or something, but nothing looks like it at all. The head, though, is what F's with me. It was much too big and long for the body. My mom and I saw it and slammed on the brakes like other drivers next to us. We were freaking out trying to figure out what we just saw, while my brother in the back seat trying to figure out what happened because he didn't see it, but saw everyone hitting Thier brakes and slamming Thier brakes and slamming Thier horns. This happened in Silverdale, Washington. There is a hike to the top of Pike's Peak that has a camp halfway up popular with tourists. It's a pretty tough 13 miles to the peak. I do a shorter hike that breaks off and shares the same trail that loops around. I often love doing the loop twice. On my first loop, about three miles from the trailhead, I come across a British couple who were very nice 
and looked like they were having a great time. They told me a little about themselves, and they asked me how much further was to the camp at the halfway point, and I told them it was about another three miles further up. They told me they were staying at the camp, and I found it a bit odd that they weren't carrying backpacks or supplies, except for water. They thanked me and also told me, oh, and do mind that our luggage is coming up behind us. I thought to myself, luggage, on the way down, I saw what they meant. About 1.5 miles from the trail, head here, was a young Indian man carrying two huge red luggages up the trail by himself. These were the types of luggages you see at hotels with tiny wheels and both looked extremely heavy. The only way this young man, who I presume to be their butler of sorts, can move the luggages up the trail was to lift up one at a time with both arms, a few feet forward, set it down and repeat with the other one. He looked pretty tired, and he wasn't even nearly a quarter of the way to the camp. He was wearing regular street clothes, no sweater, and wearing flat Converse shoes, which are awful for hiking. I spoke to him a little bit, and with his thick Indian accent, he also had questions about how long it was to the camp. He made a sad sigh when I said he still had about four one-half miles to go. It was around 5 p.m., and the sun was already starting to set and I let him know that at this pace, I wasn't sure if he'd make up there before dark. All he could say was, well, they're expecting their stuff to be up there, so I have to make it today. I wished him luck and went on my way. On my second loop around the shorter trail, I didn't come across the well-off, British couple again. They must have continued on past where the trail splits. I did, however, come across the young man again who, after about two hours, had only made about another mile of progress. He looked absolutely exhausted, and the wheels of the luggages were completely worn down to the base, so he had to continue carrying them up, one at a time. It looked like his back was hurting, too. He again asked me how much further it was to the camp. To his dismay, I let him know that he still wasn't even halfway there. I asked him what he was going to do. He had no idea. He came to the conclusion that he'll probably just sleep by the side of the trail and then try to make it up in the morning. He asked me if I had any water that he can buy off of me. I had a spare Gatorade and he mentioned that he only had a $50 bill, but he was willing to give it to me, seeing how desperate of a situation he was to offer so much for a drink and how tired he looked. I just gave it to him and told him to keep the money. I have no idea what happened afterwards. But that was one of the most weird things I've ever seen. This guy was totally unprepared for a hike like this. I felt super bad for him. I wonder how his night went. What that British couple decided to do without their supplies making it up that night. I hope they eventually went back down to help him. I was backpacking alone at Mount Rainier. During the night... I saw three circular flat-flying objects hovering like 100 feet in the sky, doing patterns. They would leave and come back, and it was all night, from dusk until dawn. At one point, one hovered over my tent. I had the rain fly off, so I watched them through the mesh the entire night, frozen with fear. As soon as the sun rose, I shoved all of my gear into my pack and ran all the way back to my car. I drove to the ranger station to ask if they were testing any weird equipment. He said there was a military base nearby. Those things did not look like any drones I've ever seen, or anything that I can explain. 
The bummer is that I was alone in that entire wilderness area and no one else got to see it. The sun hung low in the sky, casting an amber glow over the vast expanse of the Iowa swamp. It was a place shrouded in mystery, where murky waters intermingled with gnarled trees and dense vegetation. Stories circulated among the locals, whispers of encounters with unknown creatures that prowled the dark recesses of the marshland. Amidst this eerie backdrop stood William, a seasoned hunter with a weathered face and a steely resolve. He had heard the tales, but to him they were just stories, folklore spun to amuse and entertain. With his hunting troop by his side, he ventured deep into the remote hunting ground, surrounded by the treacherous swamp. Their boots sank into the spongy ground as they forged their way through the dense vegetation. The air hung heavy with anticipation, mingling with the scent of decaying leaves and damp earth. The team of hunters, armed with rifles and years of experience, were ready for the thrill of the hunt. As they pressed forward, the swamp seemed to come alive. Strange footprints imprinted in the mud, larger than any known creature. Unsettling growls echoed through the trees, reverberating in their chests. A shiver ran down William's spine, his instincts telling him that they were being watched. The atmosphere grew increasingly tense. Their nerves stretched thin. Shadows danced in the fading light, playing tricks on their minds. Suddenly, a blood-curdling roar pierced the stillness, freezing them in their tracks. Eyes wide with fear, they glimpsed the silhouette of a monstrous creature lurking amidst the murky depths. The predator, struck with ruthless precision, picking off the hunters one by one. Panic set in as they realized the perilous situation they were in. Trapped within the treacherous swamp, they were pawns in a deadly game of cat and mouse. William's heart pounded in his chest as he fought to stay one step ahead of the relentless beast. He relied on his instincts, his survival skills honed through countless encounters in the wilderness. With each passing moment, the creature's presence grew more suffocating, its pursuit unyielding. As hope dwindled, William's resilience kicked into overdrive. He led the remaining hunters through treacherous marshes and tangled undergrowth, using every trick in his arsenal to outsmart their relentless stalker. Exhausted and battered, they stumbled upon an abandoned cabin in a clearing. William pushed open the creaking door, his eyes scanning the interior. Dust danced in the beams of sunlight that filtered through cracked windows. As he explored the desolate cabin, he stumbled upon a weathered journal, its pages yellowed with age. With trepidation, he read the haunting entries. The journal chronicled the disappearances of hunters throughout the years, listing over 50 names of those who had ventured into the swamp, never to return. The reality of their dire situation settled heavily on William's heart, a mix of sadness and determination washing over him. He vowed to honor the fallen, to share their story, and raise awareness of the lurking menace within the swamp. With newfound resolve, he gathered the remnants of his hunting troop and made a desperate bid for survival, using the knowledge gained from the journal to navigate the labyrinthine marshland. William emerged from the swamp, battered and bruised, but with a sense of purpose. 
he carried the weight of the lost hunters upon his shoulders, determined to expose the existence of the malevolent creature that had claimed so many lives. The sorrow in his eyes was a testament to the price paid in the pursuit of adventure and the unyielding power of the untamed wild. I was 10 years old in 1972 or 1973, just a kid with a whole lot of chores, one of which was to check the mailbox. Our mailbox was a bit of a walk from the house, and Gracie, my mother's dachshund, loved to accompany me on these little adventures. It was a summer afternoon, and Gracie and I were on our way to the mailbox when we noticed a coyote lying beside it. As we got closer, the coyote started jumping around as though it wanted to play. Gracie, ever the sociable one, started yapping excitedly and wagging her tail. I scooped her up and rushed back home, heart pounding in my chest. The following day, it was the same scene. The coyote was there, seemingly waiting for us, and it began its playful jumping routine as we approached. On the third day, I got complacent. I wasn't paying as much attention as I should have been, and Gracie saw her opportunity. She bolted from my grasp and ran towards the coyote. Two larger coyotes emerged from the high grass and carried her off before I could react. I was left standing there, helpless. A few days later, I was heading to check the mail again. Life continued, even if your heart was breaking. That's how things were back then. I was shocked to see the same coyote sitting in the same spot. As I got closer, it started jumping around as if it wanted to play. This time, it wanted to play with me. I remember moving from the city a few months before this incident. Gracie would always jump up to go with me any time I went outside. My grandmother, till the day she died, believed that Gracie took those walks to protect me. I guess, in her own way, she did. She taught me the harsh realities of life in the wild, a lesson I'd carry with me for the rest of my life. I was walking the dog around my Pembroke Pines, Florida neighborhood, and came around a curve in the sidewalk street. I noticed something unusual and stopped walking, staring at it, trying to figure out exactly what I was seeing. The dog seemed more annoyed I'd made him stop. He did not bark or react in any way. There was a figure ahead of me, about 30 feet away, standing in the swale area, between the sidewalk and the street. It was not facing me. It was skeletal thin or bony, taller than my five feet three frame, with white or light grayish skin and no hair. There was something blue near its left ear. At first, I thought maybe it was a spiritual type of being, but clearly was not human. It sensed I was staring at it, looked over its right shoulder, looked at me, and then looked down at the dog. Then it suddenly started to run into the middle of the street and then down the street into the next block. Its knees were backward. As it ran, it began to gradually fade, like the edges were the only part of it that I could see. It was glimmering and fading until I couldn't see it anymore. A friend suggested it sounded like an insect, type alien or praying mantis alien. I'm in my late fifties. I don't drink or get stoned, and this is not a Halloween prank. I would really love to know if anyone knows what this might be. There is this 
thing that has been seen on Palm Island, Florida for decades. It's just one of the many evil, scary things that are there and shows itself when it wants to. Well, this one particular thing is pure evil. It shows itself to people wearing a dark trench coat. Not many have seen its face, but my brothers have. It follows them throughout the community, always at night, always wearing the coat. You see, on Palm Island, if you want to go somewhere, you just walk, no matter what the time is. If you want to get home, you just walk, and the streets are pitch black with no streetlights. So it would follow them. This thing is huge, bigger than any man, and scary as heck. It would always keep the same distance behind them and in the darkness of the night. All they would hear is the sound of its hoof walking on the road. When they'd make it home, it would torment them all night, running on the roof or banging on the walls and under the house. Then, when they're asleep, it shows itself to them in its true form. It comes to them in their nightmares. My brothers all described it the same way. It looks like the thing from Jeepers Creepers. Mind you, it's been after them way before the movie came out. It's big with this monstrous face, uglier and more grotesque than you can imagine. It's got hooves, long claw, like fingers, and enormous wings, which it uses to chase them. Every time it's chased them, it's always caught them. My brother said he even tried in a nightmare to jump off a cliff. He said he'd rather die than let it take him. But as he jumped off the cliff, and as it was falling, all he could hear was the sound of wings. All of my brothers see this thing, and have been for decades now. It stands up in the darkness, holding a rope, trying to make them commit. You know what? And other times it's tormenting them to a point where they can't sleep. If they do, it goes to them in their dreams. I know my brothers are not the only ones on Palm Island that see it. This thing just roams around Palm Island freely.